Hey, welcome everybody to Little Rock Games Game of the Month Club podcast. We're here this week to talk about what remains of Edith Finch. Fantastic game by Annapurna Interactive, developed by Giant Sparrow. I am Joe. And I'm Brad. And I'm Tanner. I'm Olivia. And I'm Robbie. And for those of you who have not played What Remains of Edith Finch, I pity you because it is an incredible experience. But just in case, um, let's tell you a little bit about what it is. And of course, tons of spoilers in this podcast, just like always. Absurd numbers. So (laughs) if you want to go play it now, you should do it. The play runtime is probably three hours tops. And that's if you hunt down everything. Um, But so, yeah, no harm in playing it first and then coming back to listen in or comment in the comments. Um, The game is a kind of walking simulator. It takes you through a house um, in some of the same ways that uh, that other game does. Gone Home is the one I was thinking of. Um, You start out by entering the house and learning about the stories of the family who once lived there. Is that a fair starter? Yeah. Yeah. Anybody want to add to it? Uh, The family is, of course, the Finch family. You get... uh, what, two generations or a generation and a two generations of their family? Three, Three I think. Generations? Yeah. Okay. It's definitely and four if you count the, you know, the people who landed. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> they, they weren't around very The fish very has long. landed. <laughs> <laughs> so do yes. we want to give our impressions? Yes, let's do that, yeah. <laughs> um I waited till the last minute to play it. Like the kid who doesn't do his homework until like right before class. I was literally sitting on the other side of the room uh, (laughs) playing up to very near the very end uh, when right right when everybody kind of came in and started it and my impression of it is very fresh and it was just fantastic. I mean the the we could go into so many levels of it the art the narrative the uh, voice acting uh, the the setting and, and the environment, uh, the digital environment, um, and we can get into all of those things. But I'm just, uh, it's another one of those games that I want to go back and really play again and, and look at everything and just see everything that I missed. Read every book on the shelf uh, or read the spine of every book on the shelf. I mean, um, all of that. Great game. Yeah. I mean, there are few games, in my opinion, that pack in so many different uh, mechanics and little vignettes and and even art styles sometimes into such a compact experience. Uh, There's a lot of different content in the game that actually flows together quite well, in my opinion. Yes, the whole game was definitely just a bunch of little micro-stories, which is a really interesting format for a game like this, especially when you get into how they all tie together. Um, but really, like, I love the atmosphere of the game. It, like, just felt like you were nostalgic for this place you'd never been to before. Yeah. And it just does that with the music and with just the fantasticness of the setting. And you just want to go into the house and dig around in it. And there's just something about it that just made me keep wanting to keep going. Uh, I thought it, the, I mean, the game's just sort of like a, a master class in game design, level design, narrative design. Um, I just, and so for that, it deserves all the accolades in the world. 
Um, I just didn't really care for the tone or the narratives that it happened to want to tell. <laughs> but but it was really great. Interesting. I want to dig into that. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And that's totally fair. I, in truth, I mean, I, just a little context. I played, uh, I'm kind of a terrified game player. And so I played through about half the game a year or so ago. And then I got scared during the Halloween sequence <laughs> and put it down. And I thought, well, maybe if we all play it together, I'll have the courage that I need to get through. And thank heaven I did. Um, but, yeah, we should come back to the to some of what you're talking about for sure. Um, I actually realized, having gotten to the end now, that I have a really similar feeling in my kind of stomach that I had after I finished Firewatch. Mm. So... I was loving it until about nine seconds before it ended. <laughs> and then I was just like, come on, really? So in a game that for, for me in many ways was perfect in what it was trying to achieve and, and in the ways it surprised me, I just wanted the ending to do something else. And so we can probably tie that in with what you're talking about as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, where to start? I mean, I guess we can talk about walking simulators a little bit in general because yeah. I don't. Do you want to define? Okay, the term yeah. For Do you disagree with that that, con- that explanation of the? I mean, it's I don't. I object really to the care. term in general. But. <laughs> I don't really care enough to argue against it, to be yeah. honest. But in terms of like how it's typically used, it's games that are typically linear that are almost always first person and are usually just about exploring a space and like reading through the narrative or whatever. Sure. And they might not be linear necessarily, yeah. but it's definitely a certain, It's they're usually slow paced, yeah. almost no action mechanics. Yeah. It's just about exploring and, and engaging with the narrative. Um, and this game definitely fits squarely into that genre, even though I feel like it innovates in some really interesting ways. Yeah, things. it does. Because yeah. one complaint I see a lot on like Steam reviews and stuff like that for walking simulators is that they just look like they all look the same. Mm-hmm. There's usually you know not a whole lot of nuance going on. All they all have the same mechanics. Like oh yeah, I can pick and look at this book and look at you know yeah. Um, but so one really cool thing that this game did is the way that it engaged with your pacing as you walked through the house. Mm-hmm. Um, it's sort of hard to describe, but it did this really interesting thing where it paid attention to what you were looking at and when. Yeah. And the way it placed the text in the scene yeah. was super duper immersive and really interesting. And it would show you where to go. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, From that opening moment, right? When you're like, yeah. you start walking down the hill and then you get that first shot mm-hmm. and then the text gets wiped away. Yeah. I love that. That that convention is so usable in so many other ways, yeah. And the way that they played with it in a a lot of different ways, there were the times, like with the the text with the kite, where you're picking up the text and you're actually interacting with it. Or the baby. The baby, yes. Uh, uh, So there is a scene where, (laughs) because they they can't see us moving our hands. So, so they're yeah, we're all making right, the, like dolphin. There's movies. a particular uh, scene where they're, yeah. you know, a lot of the game there are words on the sc- on the screen, and usually sometimes you're doing a mini game to go with it, and there are words that are sort of scrambled, and you as you fly a kite, as you're one of the characters in this story, the kite the kite sort of wipes through the letters and kind of rearranges them, and then the words appear. Mm-hmm. But it's great because in like all these little vignettes, it does something a little bit different <laughs> yeah. in, in different places in the house. They behaves a little bit yes. differently too. 
Um, and it's just so fun and it yeah. feels like it fills the space and it was just, it just was really engaging. Yeah. Where you mentioned that it was, where you, part of your description was that it, uh, these games are typically linear. This was a linear mm-hmm. game. I did not feel at all. I, I barely noticed the linearity of it. It felt like I was just, there's stuff here. I, I, I should go do this, but it was just masterful the way they dropped those breadcrumbs into those tiny places, and cu- that coupled with the fact that the the there wasn't a huge puzzle aspect of it, um, and the puzzle the things that were puzzles were very direct and, and simple. I hate those frustrating games where they're they're those world walking simulator mystery things, and you're trying to find the dumbest little yeah. thing that some guy hid under some other dumb mm-hmm. thing, and. I, I loved um, the Norwood Suite, but it yeah. it bordered on that on mm-hmm. that kind of annoyance. Um, the the this had a whole lot in in spatially in common, I think, with Norwood Suite. Um, but two very I don't know a lot of crossover, but also very yeah. different games. And I would say the seamlessness and like you said, like I totally felt that too. It very felt like the place that I wanted to go was the place where I was supposed to go. But I feel like that speaks to how good the level design was. Yeah. yeah. And Absolutely. how like the space felt a lot, a lot bigger than it was. And, and in a lot of ways, like in, on from a, a game design perspective, that was really great, but it was also lent itself to sort of the atmosphere and the weird mystery that the house had. Yeah. Um, so on so many levels, it was really well designed for well, sure. I think one thing that contributes to that is one thing I've noticed in uh, a lot of these style of games, like I know this isn't gone home quite a bit actually, is that they are linear and and a lot of them you're exploring a confined space like a house or something like that. So when you go the direction they don't want you to go, you make it a certain distance before you realize that and you realize it and that there's nothing over there. Mm-hmm. So you just sort of be like, oh, this is a hallway and there's just like static furniture here that looks pretty generic. But I think they did a really good job about making like every single area of the house and the the property like mm-hmm. feel inhabited so it's almost sort of like uh it feels like peeping really like through into somebody else's life yeah you're just sort of walking through this abandoned house that you've never been in but the level of detail like even mm-hmm. on like the books and yeah. you know the little environmental things mm-hmm. is really high quality like you can read the words on all the book spines and yeah. everything like that it really makes it feel like an authentic space. Yeah. So when no you question. go down those empty places, you know, you're you're still entertained and yeah. still engaging with the narrative. It and seems. sometimes you literally were peeping into peepholes, into mm-hmm. rooms yes. all over the house. Which right. Is, ha- had a, a really wonderful yeah. two-sidedness yeah, to it. Yeah, the people that looked into the rooms as opposed to outside them. Mm-hmm. Right. So, and it's really interesting because we just touched on the level design, but it's, I, I, I want to sit them down just to ask at least, did you decide on the narrative of all the door all the doors being sealed shut first and then design your level or did you start designing the house and then realize how are we going to get people places oh how about before they left they shut you know they welded shut some of these doors yeah. how, because how much of the design informed the story yeah. right and how, how much, much of, of it sort of worked design. together yeah, yeah. It is an odd conceit, and if you spend much time thinking about it, it fall, I think it falls apart a little. Well, but it creates such a satisfying experience that mm-hmm. I was willing to forgive it because, the for me, it felt like like a playground. 
like you know because you were doing so much sort of childlike movement right like you're, you're you're crawling through tunnels it actually reminded me a lot of like when i was a kid we had um, tunnels that connected between rooms of our house so like you would open up a storage area in one room and it would go through to a storage area. Wait, in you lived room. in the Edith Finch yeah. house? <laughs> Come on, no one even ever tell us this. I worked in a cannery. Wow. <laughs> um, but so, so I actually like I, I liked that the whole thing felt like a giant mm-hmm. jungle gym kind of, and was, you know, you're kind of roaming around it as a result. Yeah. But but yeah, the it does feel a little bit like they came upon a problem that. Yeah. Um, well, so I I only thought so i played this game maybe a third of it and then i stopped and then i came back to it and i only thought that the that the sealing of the doors was a contrivance this when i came back to it the second time the first time i immediately bought into it and it's kind of what contributed to the what the tone that i was getting from the game was not that it was a playground it the whole thing felt like scary to me mm. like i was like it felt like it was trying really hard to, well, yeah, it felt like they were trying really hard to use all the tropes of a horror game to really? me the entire time. That's wow. how I felt. People say that about Gone Home a lot, too. I don't know what it is, huh. but like some, some people... Because I only felt it during the Halloween sequence. Well, it's I, and I felt it a little bit during the, the little girl sequence where she becomes the, the shark and then yeah, the monster. Yeah. Yeah. But of course, you are the monster, so it feels... I, yeah, it, it, as, after that, I was like, okay, maybe... Maybe they just, you know, they're trying to treat this whole thing seriously. Yeah. That story was a one-off. It'll be fine. I'm going to, when I, st- as I started to let it go is when I came upon Barbara's room and then I found the Halloween thing yeah. and then it, the, that feeling never went away. The Tales from in the fact, Crypt. Yeah. And yeah. that, that, um, that the comic book story is when I had to stop. And That's then, when I stopped. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. It, it was kind of like, okay, I see what's going to happen and I see that I have over half this game left. I need to take a break and prepare myself for the rest. Yeah. So, but yeah, that feeling never left me the entire house. See, that's well, interesting because to me, it was never like a feeling of like a horror story or anything like that, mm-hmm. but just uh, sort of consistently unsettling. Yeah. But not like a scary yeah. way, if that makes sense. Like almost in a lonely, uh, uh, really solemn way. I, that's the way I feel. Yeah. Like. I mean, it feels like being in like like a funeral home. Yeah. Like yeah. not like a I need to run away feeling sort but of like are. <laughs> yeah. 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 That ties back into a each one of those of rooms is essentially like a tomb, right? Like yeah. they've just yeah. buried away everything about that member of their family. Yeah, so one thing we didn't really talk about is like so all these little vignettes are the stories of how every member of this family died. Mm-hmm. Um because there's that some people think there's a family curse or whatever yeah. and Edith is just going home and learning about her family that her mother would never let her Mm-hmm. find out about before so all of these vignettes are at the end you, the character dies yeah. for every single one of yeah. them so there's definitely that morbid element yeah. in the story a family curse is certainly a horror sure. yeah. setup mm-hmm. and she's the and last surviving are, member and of a lot family. of them are gruesome yeah. too yeah. Um, so here's an interesting thing though that I wouldn't be surprised if they did deliberately try to use tropes of the horror game genre um because it's the only this is what i decided after i finished i was super, like the like yeah probably like the morning after um i finished the game i realized why didn't i just laugh hysterically throughout that entire game because that's exactly like especially the the scene where um what's her name dawn 
just shot the the deer and it's still alive yeah. and then the dad is like just shut up and take the picture yeah. and, and he, then the deer like bucks up and and then the dad falls off the cliff that's exactly the kind of thing that I should find hilarious but instead I was like oh like I really felt like there goes another one of yeah. these of yeah. a sad family and I think even old, when you know it's going to happen yeah. it's right. still like and yeah, it, totally. I did not feel like laughing at all yeah. and I think it's because of the tone they set throughout the entire yeah. game of yeah. This is all yeah. a serious thing. Part of it was they sort of felt like real people for some reason. Yeah. And it was probably just the way it was written and the voice acting. I think I think the way it's written, the voice acting, but I I think a whole lot of it owes to the props that they had in yeah. this wonderfully crafted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It reminded me of some things from a, a Wes Anderson, like uh, uh, yeah. Moonrise Kingdom, sure. like the house in Moonrise mm-hmm. Kingdom a little bit. Uh-huh. Um, or any of his little toy house sure. kind of things. Um, going back again, contrasting with uh, uh, the Norwood Suite, which again I loved, and I loved the fact that he put such weird, almost surreal stuff in the Norwood Suite. But this one, their attention to detail of placing the wine bottles in the right spot, and the stack of cans, and the yeah. every single thing, the photos on the wall, the little pieces of art, the detail in the the uh, the pinned bugs that are framed on the wall, the insects, mm-hmm. mounted insects. Just yeah, you mm-hmm. felt like that house was a real place, and I think that owes a lot to how connected you feel to the family. Yeah, yeah, a lot of it felt like it didn't feel like this reused prop over and over again. Yeah. And when there were reused props, they were really meaningful too, mm-hmm. because I noticed that the, that that started popping up every once in a while. Like you would see this prop and remember it, or at least I did. The little shark is one. Um, yeah. The shark and the rubber duck yeah. and yeah. that sort of stuff starts showing up. Um, but yeah, like when you go into their rooms, like each room feels totally different, and it feels like you're like you said yeah. and they're walking into their space yeah um, but i mean i think those prime you for the character so like touching on the, the yeah. character robbie was talking about where the guy he gets knocked off it's it's pretty easy to see it coming and it also it ends in like a freeze frame yeah. so i totally agree yeah. it would normally yeah. be funny because he's like mid-fall yeah. off yeah. of this cliff and, and snaps you take the, the picture yeah. yeah but it primes you with like his old war photos and like his entire like life laid out in his room, like, untouched pretty much since the day he died. Which is why they sealed the room. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And so you you get primed to know this character very quickly before you ever start the vignette. They also foreshadow all of their deaths Mm -hmm. in the rooms that they're in, Mm -hmm. too, which is really interesting. Well, I I also want to say, too, like, so we've played a lot of narrative games in this podcast and along with this podcast. And I've also played a bunch, and I think we've a lot of us have played a bunch externally, you know, it is it is a rare game for me where I feel I don't feel like oh this is good for video game writing, but I actually feel like this is just good writing. Yeah, yeah. And the and when you describe that scene, I think the reason that scene doesn't fall apart like the sort of absurdity of his death because of the, the whole setup of the scene is how this father is forcing his daughter to do things that she hates because they're things he loves. And he's basically making her participate in killing an animal. And and even though that's a kind of cliched trope in lots of films and books, it still hurts to watch, yeah. right? So you're in this place where you're like, oh my God, she doesn't want to, you know, and you're playing from her p- perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, plus, I mean, I know we keep talking around this a little bit, but it's yet another example of a new mechanic that makes my brain go, oh, right? So now I've got a camera yeah. and I'm taking pictures. Mm-hmm. And now, like, so there's this new way of experiencing an environment that mm-hmm. I, the whole game up to then we hadn't had. Yeah. Just like, you know, I mean. But those aren't, 
they, they also aren't just tacked on, right? No, right. those mechanics fit, actually right. further they, they the yeah. segment, right? Because yeah. you move from I mean, shooting a camera totally. to shooting yeah. the deer eventually, and, and right? And think like, of all of those. Think of jump when you're the the uh, Molly who becomes the cat. Yeah. Her getting through the trees is a mechanic. Yep. Uh, flipping through the and moving through the comic book is a mechanic. Yeah. Uh, the cannery scene, which I know Joe is probably going to talk a lot. <laughs> oh more my god, about. it's my favorite. <laughs> but but the first time I played it, from the moment you go through the window as Molly and turn into the cat, I was hooked. I was like, this is not like any game I have played before, and I cannot wait to find out all the ways they're going to change mechanics yeah. to make this fun and exploratory and satisfying and narratively interesting. And yeah, chasing that bird through the trees. Yeah. And then of course they don't sell it short, right? She eats the bird. Yeah. And yeah, then yeah. And then she's she gone. murders everyone on and the you're, ship. Yeah. And you're like, wow, that took a, <laughs> yeah. a the, quick from, escalation. From the cat to the owl. Yeah. And the owl, yeah, the owl scooping, just scooping up mice and when, eating them. When, yep. Not the rabbits. Scooping oh, up rabbits. rabbits. That's and, right. And right, not right. just eating them, but like the devouring them. Yeah. Yeah. The sound Crushing them and yeah, you and really you get this it. feeling, and part of that is like there is a kind of hint of 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 the grotesque to it, yeah, and the kind of rawness of of nature. But man, I was so hooked by the feeling like this is not going to be me walking around a house. Mm -hmm. right. And so I, in the long run, I agree with you that calling it a walking simulator is a shorthand for kind of telling people, but it is so much more yeah. than totally that. Is. Yeah, um, I want to. I think it's really interesting because Molly's is the first one that you do, yep. right? Yep. Mm -hmm. So I. I think that that one's a really interesting choice to present to us first because yeah. it it shows us like a whole bunch of different scenes yeah. like that, right? Yeah. Um, like you said, you have the cat, then the owl, then the shark, then yeah. the monster. Um, and the absurdity, right? It's great. It's so strange. Yeah. The like, shark like rolls down like, the hill. This yes. is <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. It's like a comedic relief yeah. moment. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure it's like you're meant to get caught at least once on the tree, so yeah. you have to bounce around. Yeah. Um. But also, like, the way that it ended totally made me wonder if, okay, am I just going to be waiting for the, the monster in the house to jump yeah. out? You know, because at that point, I was still trying to figure out what the game was. Yeah. Um, I was still trying to figure out who all these characters were. And, you know, like, I would, like, I remember going into the kitchen and looking at the picture on the fridge and being like, okay, so that's this person. I did that, too. Yeah. That's this person. Yeah. And I was trying to remember. I'm like, okay, so that's her mom. Okay, so I was still at that point in the game. And then it's ended that way, and so yeah. I was that that made it at least the first half of the game did have that unsettling quality. So yeah. I I think the reason why I was able to forgive that part is because my daughter, when she was a little bit younger, would absolutely make up stories exactly like that. Like like she was like really she was really into like science and natural science, and part of nature is things eat other things. And also she liked monsters and stuff. So, yeah, it seemed like the kind of story that, like, a, a little girl would make up. And mm -hmm. I was just kind of like, okay, that was kind of scary yeah. and weird, but let's see where the rest of the game right. goes. Mm -hmm. But the voice acting, too, was so killer right yeah, from the really beginning, right? Really the, the, you know, and, it, and all, I know I, I made this point a while ago, and, and we don't have to belabor it, but comparing that experience to, like, Having one voice tell the tales in where the yeah, water yes. tastes like wine, yeah, yeah. like I just I think I wanted that to be what happens, which is somebody who's perfect for the role is now talking you through it. Yeah, and you that should, little girl, man, you should check oh, out great. check yeah. out the IMDb page for all of the voice actors on this, and it's 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 yeah, yeah. it's really good. Um, uh, but even the rock, just getting back to the the kind of the unsettlement, right? So you guys know, like, so Peter Greenaway, right, is a filmmaker who does some of the stuff that they did in the early part of this, which is like you come into the house and there's 
like the rotting, essentially rotting Chinese food mm-hmm. that's been there for years. And, and so that kind of feeling of like the, the disturbed quality of that mm-hmm. to kind of come upon a kind of meal that was never eaten, but just rotted away. Um, so there's that kind of stuff too. That's, that's definitely unsettling. Well, I mean, cause the whole thing, like each room is a tome, but then the whole house yeah. ends up a, to be a tomb for their entire yeah. sort of family, right? Like, I mean, there's literally a graveyard on the edge of the, edge yeah. of the property. Yep. And like there's the remains a... of the previous house, like in the ocean. Yes. Or... Yeah. Uh-huh. So just, so just, I guess to, since there might be people that haven't played the game and just want to hear about the game design, uh, I guess what happened was, so this whole family, all of them have really morbid deaths. And at some point, Edith, when she's a kid, and her mom still live with Edie, who is their grandmother. Her grandmother, yeah. Her grandmother. And so Edith and, and her mom leave um, after some tragedy. I think it was her brother that died. Right. And Both of her brothers dying. What they decided yeah. was to just seal up all the doors for everybody's rooms um, and that then they would leave. Um, Edith, the grandmother, ended up staying. Edie and her mom leave. Edith disappears at some point. Um, and then her mom dies, and she comes back and is exploring the property. So that's why everything is sealed up. Right. Yeah, which is interesting, actually, to, to talk about, because um, Edith, the character who you're playing as, um, doesn't really know much more about her family than you do yeah. as a player. Um, and at first, it feels strange. Like, I totally, like, that moment when you first get into the house, I felt like it was in a stranger's house. But she had grown up there. Yeah. And so she was talking about it in a really familiar way, and that made it easier, I think, to feel like you should be there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It just there's lots of little moments like that mm-hmm. in the game that captured a certain feeling. Yeah. And the sense of isolation too, right? I mean she takes the game opens on a ferry, right? Yeah. Which is delivering her to an island on which it's unclear if there are any other I mean there must be other things on it because there's a ferry that runs there. Mm-hmm. But you basically arrive from the ferry and then it's just your the only the only property you ever see is the house that she's exploring, and so there is this feeling like you're alone on an island, kind of, and so that can increase that sense of of fear. Yeah, and then also because the house was left in a hurry and all the rooms were sealed immediately and not like tidied up or anything, I think that that lended itself to why I felt scared the whole time because it really does feel like at any moment you might turn the corner yeah. and someone's just kind of living their life like in one of the rooms. Yeah, everything was just sort of left yeah. they just ran in a away. way it's a really interesting way to sort of tell a ghost story yeah, right? yeah. without any jump scares without there being actual ghosts that you're watching mm-hmm. walking through the rooms uh-huh. you're you're going into and inhabiting all of their stories in I, I think in just such a brilliant way yep so can i talk real quick about my favorite story yes yeah. the, we should all do that cause... yeah that's i that's i think that's yeah. a great way to handle it too so the well, I don't know if it's my favorite one, but uh, it it had a moment in it that I think was unnecessary, but lended itself very well. The which is the one we were talking about, Dawn and her dad, um, and mm-hmm. it's 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 not about Dawn's death; it's about her dad's death, um, and it starts off with the dad taking pictures of stuff, and Dawn is just sort of uh, she's upset; she doesn't care about photography, and she doesn't care about her dad; she just wants to sit down and read a book, and so she's taking pictures, or no, he's taking pictures. And then at some point it switches over to her taking pictures and her tone kind of shifts a little bit. Like she's now enjoying taking pictures. Mm -hmm. And I thought like, oh, what a nice little, oh, they're kind of bonding a little bit. And I think 
that's what sort of let me get lost in that story and not concern myself with who's going to die this time and how are they going to die because it seemed like they were really bonding. It seemed yeah. like really genuine voice acting, really genuine writing, just really like cool stuff. And then when she takes a picture of, well, I took a picture of the bird first and then yeah, the, the, deer. the deer was behind it yeah. um, that, the, that they were looking for. And then I was like, oh, cool. So, you know, this will be another moment for them. And then here comes the gun. <laughs> oh, wait, no, she's not going to like this. <laughs> but somehow the dad just can't see that. Yeah. Like, And then, yeah, I, I was honestly lost in their interaction and how great that writing was. And I was like, wow, I'm really feeling for these characters. And that's why I, d- I didn't see that he was going to die yeah. until he actually did. Yeah, there's a whole, there's like this huge narrative arc that you yeah. just described in a scene that lasts, what, less than five minutes? Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, which this game does over and yeah. over and over. Yeah, and that's why, I mean, the ability, and, and we've discussed this on here before, but we've also talked about it as designers outside of the podcast. I mean, one of the great challenges of video game, right, is how to give people very small pieces of narrative, but like pack them with meaning, mm-hmm. right? And, and I, I still think that Night in the Woods does a really interesting job of that. Um, and I, I think in a different way, where the water tastes like wine, packs that in. But, but the ability to create something that you care about you know, because I, I, I loved the kind of style of Where the Water Tastes Like Wine, but I never really cared what happened. I didn't, like, I didn't care about the people in a way right. that, that, that I thought, oh. It seemed more like collecting. Yeah, it was, was right. it's fulfilling. Fine. I yeah. loved it. But I cared, like, when Dawn was being made to shoot the deer, yeah. I, I was like, man, that sucks. And I can't, I wish I could do something mechanically to prevent this from happening. Um, and that's that's really unusual for me in, in almost any game I play to feel enough about it that 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 happens. The whole thing about the pressure with Dawn and and her relationship with her father, um, that was the that kind of uh, that conflict I guess conflict's not quite the right word that unease is they didn't do a whole lot in that and I appreciate that I'm glad that they didn't make. Uh, tell us the story of I thought we were going to go into a thing where it was all psychological about one of them's an alcoholic and the other one has mm-hmm. been abused and there's sexual abuse it would be so easy to just fill this whole world that they built yeah. here with that kind of conflict and uh, those kind of broken human narratives and they didn't much really at all yeah. I mean, even you just had really, just really terrible bad luck. luck. Yeah, yeah, just bad luck. Just like I mean, even, the, even really interesting people who have really bad luck, and that's that's the thing, right? Like, so these could be also really dull people, right? Yeah, yeah. But instead, they're like these magnificent specimens of, and that's what I. That's the other thing. Like, so I love. I mean, I loved Witcher Three. Like, I loved it. I thought it was a fantastic experience, and I loved a good chunk of the writing. But when I play this, I think. If, if Witcher 3 is our standard for what makes – like this feels so much more of an achievement to yeah. me because it's like it took the best things that Witcher 3 does and it said, oh, I can do that in 45 seconds. What, what it took you three hours of gameplay to do, I just made you feel it in a minute. Mm-hmm. And that's – like, man, I just want to model myself after it. So – that was my gush. That that uh, brings me to something that I the, the one of the biggest impressions I think that I got about this game is um, how it felt cinematic, and it's kind of exactly the kind of the the thing that I think has been missing from a lot of games and a lot of a lot of entertainment space really. 
um, uh, Nier Automata had that hugely cinematic feel to it, but you were still shooting yeah. the hell out of things and sw- hitting things with your swords and all that. It was very, it was a sort of gamified cinematic experience. Mm-hmm. This was a, cin- this was the flip of that. Yeah. It was a cinema, cinematic, uh, like uh, an attractive a film. game experiment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and, and I, I think that fills a niche. I would love to see um, this fill that gap for me because I've almost, I like television, we've talked about this a lot before, television doesn't do a whole lot for me anymore. I would rather immerse myself in a game world where I can be in some bit of control than sit back and watch the TV and movies that other people have produced. And that's just kind of where I've gotten uh, entertainment-wise. But I would love to see so much more of this in games where you can really immerse yourself in that huge story that's original and interesting and it has game mechanics that that border on the same level of film film uh, tropes and critique, uh, mechanics um, so I hope lo- looking forward to the future I hope a lot more of this kind of thing happens yeah so what about other favorite stories I know what mine is but I want to hear other people I don't want to say the same one as you I okay. think mine uh, is the same as yours too because it well, was if you guys are the same, you can just talk about them together. <laughs> no, no, they all have to be all different. Because right, right, I think that one, in my opinion, is the best. Which one? The one I have said? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. We all know. So I'll go first with a different one. Okay. okay uh, good. So I... Wait, wait, how do you even know what I was going to say? <laughs> I know exactly what it is. <laughs> you don't know. <laughs> okay. Well, can maybe... we say it at the same time? Ready? Okay. One, two, three. Three, the baby. <laughs> you took mine. <laughs> I I love the cannery story. Okay, but, but I actually think the baby is my favorite story. Because well, I was going to talk about the baby. All right, you In, talk about the baby. The can- I'll oh, talk about then, the cannery. Olivia and I are going to talk about the cannery. Then you two talk about the baby. <laughs> you go first, and then we'll both talk about why we, it's we, our favorite. Okay, we can build off of each other. Yeah. So I just thought the idea of you're playing this character who. Like, they don't really have a conception of what's happening Mm narrative-wise, right? Everything is happening sort of at you. You hear your mom talking as she leaves you in the bathtub, and you're just playing with your toys, right? It sort of taps into that, like, earliest possible memory that you can have. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that was, like, immediately the first thing that appealed to me about that scene. Yeah. I, when it first started, I was just like, oh no. Right? Like, yeah, you know where it's going. That was my first reaction. Like, I yeah. saw so I was in a bathroom and I was just like, no. But no, here's, no, 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 but no. here's the beauty. This is why it's my favorite. Because the cannery does some super cool things. Yes. But man, to take the death of a child, a baby, mm-hmm. right? And who's effectively dying because his mother is fighting with her soon to be ex husband, right? Mm-hmm. They're yelling at each other on the phone. If I remember correctly, yeah. mm-hmm. and what they do with that, it's like it's I, 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 Stanley Kubrick esque is the yes. only way I can describe it. They create this symphony. I think it's Blue Danube, right? That's playing yep. in the background. A symphony, no. isn't no. it? Is now, what is it? I don't think so. Is it the uh, something? Waltz of the Sugar Plum Fairies. Yes, from Tchaikovsky. <laughs> No, da, that can't da, be right. Da, 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 da. No, it's dun 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 dun. Do 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 do. That's not what's playing. Nope, I think so. Maybe it, it, is. Maybe sure it plays two Daniel. different things. <gasps> that would be <laughs> that would <laughs> Anyway, regardless, yeah. yes. it becomes this this symphony. It's also a little bit like Fantasia, right? Oh, yeah. And I just thought, 
what is like I, I was virtually felt like I was gonna start crying. I'm like, you take this tragedy, but you give it this last you make it beautiful. beautiful. Yeah. And then he goes underwater, remember? Mm-hmm. And he's like swimming with the And they keep you engaged uh, in a way that in my opinion doesn't feel gimmicky throughout no, the entire sequence. Like, no. You are actively participating. You're like playing as his toys, right? Yeah. Like yeah. uh bouncing in yeah, the water. With the whale and the yeah. ducks. And it was never so hard that you're like broken from the you know going oh i can't get to that ledge or i just i from all the things that you try to achieve as a game designer narratively and mechanically i was like this is so perfectly beautifully done i think so tanner you're exactly right. i'm glad you share that with me because man i loved it (laughs) it was it was that it was just mechanically enough and gamey enough that you're making stuff bounce around and fly and float and and dance collecting the bubbles collecting the bubbles yes there's a game to it and it and and it was just fun enough and engaging enough that it pulled you wonderfully out of the 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 darkness and tragedy of it you knew what was going on but it was like brazil too i I hate to keep making movie references but i I think the notion of like what happens to the mind the kind of magical realism of um also uh what's the del toro film um pan's labyrinth Mm -hmm. Labyrinth, yeah yeah like all Mm -hmm. of those things where the that the creativity of, of Immersed in tragedy. Anyway, right. I know I'm talking a lot, but you're actively the like responsible for what happens. Yeah, right? you have to bounce onto the water faucet, and yeah. it's like a shower slash tub combo, yeah. and you fill up the water, and yeah. the baby drowns. Like, yeah. so you have to actively make that yeah. happen. So inadvertently, I'll like I, I said that my first reaction was oh no because I was worried that it was going to go for the shock factor yeah. when they were like oh great they're gonna have a baby death in this game yeah. like what's gonna happen but it was so such a beautiful like it was actually it really was. Yeah. and it was, I man it, it really just good. killed me I was just like this is mm-hmm. if I could ever make anything as good as this for someone to experience mm-hmm. and again it's what five minutes yeah I know and it's just yeah. one of twelve of others you know thirteen other stories that happened so I I do think the cannery in my opinion is better though for a game yeah. because of how the mechanics drive oh the my point God. Yeah. Yeah, that, you're right. that narrative very strongly. You're so right. <laughs> <laughs> it's still not my favorite. Right. But oh my yeah. God. Can can all right, I'm not gonna talk anymore after this, but can we just talk about how hard it is to design a mechanic where you're doing monotonous fish head chopping while you're also navigating with like your brain has to do both? Yes. So part because of that, because of how hard it is to do both, my thought was um, that what was going to happen was that he would accidentally put his hand under the Just under the guillotine. That, that's what that's what I thought the entire that's time. Totally intentional too. Right, that you feel yeah. like he's just going to put his hand too far. Right, because what you're doing in that scene is so you're playing as one of the older. Um, it's Edith's older. It's Edith's brother. older brother. Yeah. Um, so it's one of the last ones that you play in the mm-hmm. game, and he's working in a cannery, and he has to just methodically move this fish to this little guillotine and chop its head off, throw its carcass on a on a conveyor uh, belt. Yep. And you are you are reading the letter from his therapist yeah. about his mental state and his progression into this. Yes, yeah. psychiatrist. <laughs> yes, thank you. She can prescribe medicines. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you're reading through this as you know his progression into this sort of fantasy state. Uh, which is just, it, it's really interesting how they build on that. Yeah. And surreal, right? And again, yeah. again I'll just come back to Kubrick and, and you know, and, and Brazil. Who's directed Brazil? Does anybody Terry remember? Gilliam. Terry Gilliam, yeah. yeah. Who's a great surrealist, yeah. right? Yeah. And so, yeah, that has that also has that kind of surreal, like, here's what happens when we trap 
humans mm -hmm. in states that they shouldn't be trapped in, mm -hmm. right? The mundanity of mundanity of a, of working in a factory, right? And how that can be escaped even to to death. Mm -hmm. uh, man, yeah, oh, so good, so good. It really was. And because his was the only suicide, wasn't it? In the game, I think so. Yeah. Which is interesting. Um, and it leaves it ambiguous whether it was really like. It, an intentional yeah, suicide, it, it right? Does. Like, yeah, if it was just in like the state of psychosis or what yeah. it was, yeah. Mm -hmm. <sighs> so good. So yeah, good. we all yeah, we're all taking we're all decompressing. <laughs> so, for a second. so real quick, again for people that it may not have played the game. So what happens is he completely dissociates from reality and escapes to this fantasy realm in his head, and uh, he becomes a model employee because he can just stand there for hours, uh, cutting these fish heads. Because in his brain, he's not doing that. He's, uh, you know, he rules over at first just a city and then a country and then he takes over the world, basically. Um, and then at the end, he decides that he's going to be crowned the emperor of this whole land and he puts his head down to be crowned and uh, and then the guillotine uh, chops his head off. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that... the. The the way that he goes through this, it's it starts out where he's in a maze, yeah. and you're controlling the maze with the WASD keys, but you're still, with your mouse, you're picking up the fish and <laughs> right. chopping the head off and throwing <laughs> the fish in. So you're just facing a conveyor belt while you do yeah. while you do that, yeah. and, and it starts out, the maze is just a tiny little portion of the screen, and yeah. it's two-dimensional, and you're just a blob moving past walls, but that, as as the narration progresses, expands to cover the entire screen to where you can't even see... Like the conveyor belt that you're the still fish is like on top of the map. Yeah. The fish yeah. flies into the map, and you just yeah. grab it. And, and it throw. becomes elements in right. Like you have to bust open the way, door yeah. by slicing the head of the fish yeah. off. There are so many things to unpack mechanically too, right? So the number of mechanics they fit into his just yes. in that sequence, right? Yeah. So you have a little choose your own adventure going, yep. right? Where they're like, do you like the girl you meet who plays the the lute, I think, the, the or the one who, guitar. yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? And he's partial part Indian. His yes. father is from India, yeah. and so we get the electric. And I and I obviously we each of us probably made different choices, and I yeah. wonder what happens now, like yeah. if you. But all of that is packed into this throwaway, which is like, oh, here's just what's happening while he's... Here's the story yeah. of his death. Yeah. Yep. And there's another sequence, which is... I mostly hate sequences like this, which is a river rapids mm -hmm. where you're yep. getting pulled along and you have to... And normally there's like a meter for your boat. So I was so <laughs> grateful that my boat was not being damaged by the, you know... Or you I kind of wonder if coins. you, if you did no... Like if you just let it run, I kind of wonder now too what right. would happen. Um, but yeah... All of that thought, like the, the attention to detail, right? Mm -hmm. Of that seven, eight minute sequence. It, right. yeah. uh, mm -hmm. Man. I I do wonder though, if you died, would your psychiatrist send a letter to your mom explaining <laughs> the details of your yeah. psychosis? Yeah. <laughs> That's that was the yeah. that was my immediate yeah. thing. Was yep. like, really? In a Wes Anderson movie, happen. she certainly would. Sure. <laughs> but then yes. and then also I don't know specifically the differences, but because they chose psychiatrist in my like everything that I've seen anyway, a psychiatrist meets with you for like fifteen minutes and asks how your medication is doing and then gives you more medication. And it would be a different sort of mental health professional that would actually give therapy and know the details of your psychosis. Yeah. But whatever. It's no, <laughs> that's fair. Again, in a Wes Anderson totally movie fair. it would be both. Right. Yeah. But that and, detail and really she would matter. be sleeping with your father. Yes. Right, exactly. Yeah. But these are the things, right? Like so this is 
for me, is actually a sign of how compelling the piece of work is. Yeah. It's the kind of thing like someday someone will make a parody where they will be like, why can I blow up the entire Death Star by you know, right, right, right. by yeah, shooting? Yeah. <laughs> right? That seems implausible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then someone makes an entire film to explain why it's that way. Right? <laughs> yeah, so yeah, it's not, it's, not, it's not a problem. No, no, but, I, I but, but it's absolutely like on revisiting it, there are definitely some holes that had to be patched. Um, but you know, I'm totally okay with it. Yeah, exactly. exactly. It's okay. It's okay that it's there. It's just, if, if it's a specific thing that you have experience with and it's sort of like, well, that's not how it goes. (laughs) Well, actually. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) But yeah, the drive of it. And to be, here's the other thing. Like, I think some of you guys are like this too, but I have, I've watched so many films and read so many books and played so many games that it's a rare game that surprises me. Mm-hmm. Where I think I just don't know what's going to happen next, yeah. um, or I'll make a, an educated guess like, "Oh no, baby death," mm-hmm. and I'll be totally wrong, mm-hmm. and that is so great, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, and I, th- I honestly, I think some of it is because there's there's a whole lot of history of games doing this badly, yeah, and yeah. they just did it well. Oh yeah, they really yeah. did. And and usually when you do have those, uh, any kind of entertainment, film, game, whatever that where you're not sure what's going to happen next and you keep going and you keep going, it usually is f- full of bad changes and, and swerves. And yeah. uh, it's usually like, oh, come on. It's it's one of the, you know, yeah. one of those movies. And this didn't seem to have any of that that I saw. Do we want to talk about the ending Except now? the ending. <laughs> um, we should talk about the ending. My Firewatch moment. I will, I will uh, admit that I did not finish the game because... Oh, I just ran out of daytime, but that's okay because I trust well, you. Did you get to the easy. to the first big bomb that gets dropped? Was there a whale? No. <laughs> okay, so hold on. Yeah, so what was the last? Whose whose story was the last one you played? I finished Lewis's out of the cannery. I think yeah. that was you finished the, last the cannery. One I did. I so you didn't get up onto the scaffold. Did you get to the tower? No, you. I was. I, no, his, you would have done. That. So yeah. his his boat is just is the last thing under the okay. tower. I think. Okay. Right. So you you would have known then that. How you, do I know? I don't that, know. Did you know that Edith was pregnant? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Twenty two months pregnant. Yeah. Right. Yeah. She says that really. <laughs> I don't think so. yeah, no, yeah. I mean 20, 22 weeks. <laughs> she says that before you go in. Before the gun story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She she talks about okay. that uh, relatively. Like I, I would yeah. say mid. Which is like that's like third trimester. Which and I have she to mentions say, the amount of crawling she does seems <laughs> a little implausible. Well, but she says she she's drops little like hints about that that she's she's, she's bigger just, now, and not mm-hmm, only. Yeah. At, at the first time she hints at that, you feel like, oh, she's just grown up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the more you go, and yeah. that I think is, uh-huh. is 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 she's climbing the tree to get on top of the house to Sam's room when she first mentions, um, if my if my doctor knew this what, that I was doing this when I was twenty two. Yeah, that's weeks, the moment. Yeah, not yeah. months pregnant. <laughs> twenty two years pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, um, hold on. And, and then, I, but it's such a quick passing line that I was like, wait a minute, what? Did and then you just... look down and you realize yeah, you're yeah. like 40 feet above yeah, the ground. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you've got a yeah. big old pregnant so, belly. Yeah, so, so that's where I, I, mean, I got to. Tanner made an observation when he was playing it and I was sitting next to him. <laughs> <laughs> and, and watching in his every move intently. Yep. Um, so one really cool thing about this game, and that that's another thing that is sort of typical of first person games, is that you're just sort of like a floating head. But if you, like, you don't feel that way in this game. Like, so many of the little puzzle pieces you interact with, you pull your hands up and you Mm -hmm. have to actually interact with them. And if you look down, you can see your whole body. And it's like, so, and we were like, is there a baby bump? 
Like we were okay. trying to figure yeah, out. Yeah, I did like, not look for that. I didn't notice. Yeah. It totally <laughs> is. Yeah, and I think it is. Yeah. And so yeah. there's yeah. lots of little yeah. Um, yeah, stuff. actually, the touches. I know we're going to talk about the ending, but the touches on her hands, which were so like, kind of like early twenty something. Like she had like little lace, like almost like those things They're that like wrap around. Yeah, and that was so perfect, though, right? It's mm-hmm. like it reminded me of Life is Strange, like the kind of thing that if if the main character in that were like two or three years older, mm-hmm. she'd be like, you so know. she's seventeen, right? Edith, yeah, is she? No, she says at the very beginning older. of the game that she's Edith 17. is older. She's in that. college. She's in right? college. Yeah. yeah, I think she's more like twenty. See, I thought okay. she was seventeen too. She says early in the game, uh, she oh, she okay. hasn't been there since she's eleven, and she's tw- she's seventeen now. Ah, well, he is the or, most yeah, memories. I, so. I, I really thought she was in college. Yes, yeah. early twenties. You didn't think seventeen-year-olds could get pregnant? No, they can. No, I I really I feel like she said I'm in early college. Not without a like, psychiatrist. I, feel like, <laughs> I I I swear she talked about college. Am I yeah. just I, making that up? I just maybe our Weird. our maybe own, yeah. our brains work the same way because I thought she was about twenty. Yeah, that was my feel for it. But okay, Tanner's so do we want seventeen? Do we want to get to the? <laughs> no, I totally. What's the big it. ending? What's the reveal? Well, I, I'm trying to figure out because I want to fill in the stories that you would have missed. I, I think that it's. So did you see her other brothers? The one who is the magician. I don't think uh, so. I think that's the only one. The that magi- you mean the painter? He disappeared, right? He did. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. The painter. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah I saw that. He saw the that painter one. in the sort of lighthouse yeah. kind of yeah. thing. Yeah, I saw He's that. A painter magician. That's, that's yeah, the he was clearly the both. Well, yeah, that's the name of the of the flipping thing. <laughs> yeah. But he was. Yeah, a, yeah you're right. Yeah, yeah. yeah right. Which that. again, another gorgeous mechanic. Yeah, right? that was great. Uh-huh. Flip book, and you had to actually flip. Like, you yeah. Had to keep, also, yeah. did you notice that in the bottom, like that door is like painted there? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I'm gonna dive right into the ending spoiler. Yes, do it. Oh, Edith died. A month before she turned 18. Oh, got it. Okay, so, there you go. So, yes. I guess so the last go. thing that you... <laughs> go teen pregnancy. <laughs> you guys are right. Well, no, wait a minute. Let's, let's talk <laughs> yeah. about that. So, she was a 17-year-old teen with all of this crazy family history, that, but still wasn't, like, abusive crazy. And they but didn't seemed... play on any of the circumstances of how she was pregnant yeah. or how hard it nope. is to be a pregnant yeah. 17-year-old yeah. or any of that. Because yeah. that's not the story they were telling. I know, right? but it's I think that's just really, super balanced why, to me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, why else only, make her... Yeah. Why, she was a, a well, rational narrator. Yeah. Why like, else make her a pregnant 17-year-old? Right. So, so Why not a pregnant 22-year-old? So, or why pregnant at all? I don't know. I think she's pregnant well, at all. Oh, well, here's why. Exactly. Okay, not just the ending, but the entire story. So... The last thing is she tells the story of Edie, um, who tried to tried to write her uh, like a journal entry. All the family history. Yeah, yeah the whole family history. So she went to go read it on their last night there. Yeah. Her mom found out that she was reading it, tore the book away from her. So she basically just heard, there's a family curse, and I wish I could tell you more, but... And then it gets taken away from her. And then they leave immediately. Mm-hmm. Um and then, so she comes back and she sits down and you find out that what she's writing is her own uh, journal entries for her kid that she's pregnant with. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then... So she's building the family narrative and to the pass tree, on yeah, to the kid. Yeah, sort of right. adding to the tree right. so that the kid will have it. And I got then that. the very last shot is her kid at Edith's grave in the family graveyard. Yeah. Well, the, the last little right? mechanic that you go through is you are a kid going through the birth canal. Yeah, uh, and then uh, and I then found a little weird. Yeah, I wasn't a fan. 
But um, I mean, it's abstracted enough. It is, yeah. but it's also like. But and, it, and it's, is it weirder than a baby going down a drain and turning into a frog? Exactly, it, and it's literally just a light at the end of the tunnel. It's not like you see the doctor waiting for you or anything yeah. like that. It's just you're just in a in a tunnel, and then at the end of the tunnel, then it's white light, and then you find out, oh, great, Edith died, and uh, yeah, that's it. That's it. Yep. <laughs> How did Edith die? I, giving birth. Yeah, I was gonna That's say. I think. Did. Yeah, giving birth. Mm-hmm. And she and I. It kind of seemed. Curse. Well, it kind of seemed from her writing it that was basically like, I'm probably gonna die giving birth to you. Um, I hope not, but at least you'll have this. Right. And mm-hmm. she was right. Yeah. Right. Well, you know those finches. They do have a knack for. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Looking forward to how they die. Yeah. <laughs> well, I I found the ending pretty disappointing. I'll have to say, and partly it's because I was so, I mean. I mean, you could make the case, right, that it's such a good tale that part of me didn't want it to end. Mm. And so there's always a little bit of that, right? Um, which I felt when I played the Beginner's Guide, too, mm. um, which also has a kind of unravel ending after a really great narrative. But I just, I, I had the same feeling I had at the end of Firewatch. I felt like, it felt to me like somebody had made this beautiful thing. 97% of it was beautiful. And then they, like, ran out of money. And they were wow. like, we got to end this thing. I don't feel that's nearly so, that. Oh, God, I felt it. it. From the moment that birth canal started, right? I was like, oh, my God, really? This is what's happening? What? And then she dies, and I'm like, okay, huh. this feels... I, I seriously felt like I'd been watching a great film, and somebody pulled the television plug out. That's how I wow. felt. I've, we Once again, surprise, <laughs> we have completely, like, inverted feelings yeah. about the game. So. I was just going to say, I didn't feel that strongly about it um, because I sort of had a feeling that was what was going to happen anyway. Mm. I was hoping it was going to surprise me, but I sort of got halfway through it and I was just like, you know, I bet Edith is dead. <laughs> you know, I just, um, well, you know, through the whole thing, I was wondering, is she going to be the survivor? Yeah. Or is this leading to the inevitable, the last of the Finches? So I feel like one of my takeaways for the game and maybe it's because I recently played A Mortician's Tale and I don't know if it's reading about it, is that this seems to be a very, a game that has a lot to do with death positivity in terms of, like, it seems to be a, in a lot of ways, like, metaphorical for, like, the inevitability of it in some ways. So sort of, in, in one hand, I feel like, so Edith had to die for, really, for that narrative to hold. Sure, that's fair. But I, I, I didn't like the birth canal scene, and it just, it did sort of feel like it cut, like, it didn't feel like there's a little bow on top of it yeah. as much as it felt like it was trying to do. Yeah, hmm. yeah. That's weird. I, just, I was yeah. fine I, with it. I, I was overall fine with it, but it wasn't I was not. Wonderful. So, I, I, uh, dislike sad things that are tragic for the sake of being tragic um so i it's this game is very much not to my taste at all narrative wise but i they told a really really good story and i feel like for what they were trying to say the ending was pretty perfect and i don't think it's not it's i don't think it's necessarily death positive as much as it's life positive and sort of the the thing that gives life meaning is that it ends at some point it doesn't matter like how it ends or why, and so like it ending on her death and then also answering the question: What remains of Edith Finch is her kid right. and the story and her life and her family that made her, and then also the fact that her family continues through her kid. Yeah, well, think so, of all the deaths in it 
so many deaths in it. Um, <laughs> Every no, death. Even, even the ones that are a little bit surprising aren't, are, they were never shocking. They were never like a, a... They never felt sad. They never, and, and, and that was, yeah, they never felt sad. She never stopped and mourned for these people. You never felt like she was regretful or, or at any point crying over her yeah. dead family. It was just an exploration of their the ends of their lives. Yeah. You know what? Actually, the the one that makes the case the strongest probably is uh, Milton Morton, Milton. the guy that was that lived underground, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and he like yeah. he lived underground for like <laughs> Which three is decades. Totally a lost, and like a lost play. What do you mean? Remember the oh oh lost like yeah, lost the, the TV the, the show. Yeah, I was like yeah, which was a great... who lost it. What do you? Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, no, yeah, and so he for the again for those who haven't played like he was so distraught um, after some sad sack thing that happened to him. I'm sure <laughs> and <laughs> some thing. Honestly, that's how I felt like after halfway through the game. I was like, all right, yeah, I get it. Some sad sack thing happened. No, see, that's yeah. I'm sorry to interrupt you, no. but I actually. I don't know what part of narrative I got differently, yeah. but my understanding of that was that he was trying to beat the curse, that, uh, that he, he had sealed okay. himself in as a way to avoid being killed it, by the curse. It was his, it, it, but because the mom was told, he the like, other twin? Yeah, he, the mom he was, was like under the bed when. Uh, Barbara oh, that's the died. one. Yeah, yeah. He was the one yeah. when Barbara died. Yeah, so yeah. then he locked himself down yeah. there as a way to avoid being killed, and she and, would bring food to him. He did the. Uh, he yeah, would bring yeah, and so he, so she, and then he finally gets out, and the first thing that happens but, is a train runs. But him over. he doesn't get out. He decides that he doesn't want to live in in fear. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. that he and that he's not actually living, and that he wants to actually live yeah. one one year or one week or even one or, day. or even yeah. one day. He literally right, says. which is a all he wants to do is to feel the sunshine on his face yeah. and to stand somewhere that's not. Yeah. Yes. Where he is then, and he literally does that. Does he? He he makes it past the tunnel. He do, he looks up, and the sun is shining. I and that that's with train. No, and that's when the train hits him. <laughs> but that but that's sort of. So I have questions remember. about. But the that's train. sort of the point, though. Well, yeah. We don't have to unpack this too much, but where were they on an island? Where was the train? Where did the train come from, and where was it going? It was an empty hole. Well, no. When, so later, when when Edith goes through there, you see that there there were tracks, but they were yeah. they were torn away. So there, there's not a train that goes yeah. through there anymore yeah. because but, it's but probably it, dangerous. But a train that came through there would have gone into... It would have gone underground, yeah, oh, to the rest of the, the island. Oh, that was the train that went yeah. by and shook. Yeah. But, okay, so at some point at right. midnight every night, the train stops coming. Right. And then he goes out and there just happens to be another train? I, I, I think he I think he does... It's a conspiracy. No, no, no. I just want to understand I, this. I think he started living down there when he was really young and also... Clearly was being a little, uh, maybe not right in the head towards the end. I think he never really understood that it was a train. Right. And he just sort of understood it was a thing. Because he called it a monster or something. Right. It was just a thing that happened regularly and disrupted his living. And then it didn't, probably because, like, the schedule just changed. Because he was down there for 30 years. (laughs) (laughs) And why, when he walks out, bam, there's a train. The train comes back today. He comes because out he's because he's a finch. He's cursed, or because, because he's a finch, or because right. that's the sad sack story that they want right. to tell. Oh, here's something that I totally hadn't thought of until we just had this part in the very early part of the game when she first walks into the kitchen. Yeah. Did you guys hear the train passing by? Oh no, I didn't. Yeah, there's a there little by. hits. I think to uh, a lot of the deaths. So there's all the, the sure. cannery things which she points out. Yeah. Sure. There's also depending on which path you take to get to the house. 
there is like a deer up on a precipice. Oh, like wow. how our grandfather died. Um, so I think there. Wait, did you go through the woods for uncle? First time? I, I did both to get the achievement. Yes. It might have been her uncle. <laughs> there are a lot of achievements like that. <laughs> They're family trees. They're such bizarre achievements. Very arbitrary, yeah. specific yeah. things that you had to do. Yep. One of them was really difficult where you had to get all of the um, the pool balls into the hole. That's the only one I didn't get. Me well, I didn't even know you could Because I hit the first one and it goes off into the darkness. I figured out you don't have to hit them all in i i just oh. sort of hit the table i think one went in and achievement it's been, like, talk theory. i got <laughs> zero achievements i think okay unless there was one that's just there's one that you get by watching the credits oh i didn't get that one yeah you have to just watch it and there were such I was beautiful like, game over, credits great. i was like, super <laughs> engrossed in the credits yeah the attention to detail all the way through the credits okay was, um, i'll, I'll play again, the rest filming. of it when i get home but um anyway we're but, so super like so coming back let me just try to articulate a little more about my feelings about the ending because this is I think this is significant that we're disagreeing so strongly about it and so I've been trying to make sense of what it is that bothers me and so I totally get this notion that um, you know that life like this which is a clear message in it right that if you're going to you you know you're going to die you don't know when so live right and that's a powerful message and it certainly has a compelling and I think that but that's not the message that affected me in this Mm -hmm. story in this story, what affected me is the capacity of the human mind to make b- brilliance out of and, and, and beauty out of the mundane and the horrific and the tragic. And so the ending for me was so mundane. I think that's the best way I can explain my disappointment about it. In a game where a baby dies while... Blue Danube is playing and, and his toys are going was crazy. It, Blue and it was Blue Danube. <laughs> Don't make me come over to that side of the table. So the beauty and, and intricacy and joy of those moments felt completely betrayed to me by tunnel, white light, grave. Got it. That's what, like, I felt like all of that happened over the course of about 15 seconds and there was nothing but but the mundane to me about okay. it. Okay. So, so do you I'm feel like it babies. would have been better? Do you feel like it would have been better if it had a more elaborate sequence? I don't I don't know what if, it would have made she, it better. If she lived at the end of the birth, do you think that would have been better? So, so that's a great question. That's part of why I didn't like it is so I wasn't a fan of them sort of copping to the idea of this family curse and Edith dying to me like really cinched that because that is so it's like, who, oh, it is a curse. Yeah, yeah, so that's who we're playing as in this this unending line of tragic death that ends with Edith when I felt like she had the best chance narratively to just read this as a narrative, like her family's past, right. but not live as Fair though she has But I have to disagree because that like the whole game, everything in the game was you playing through as a gamer. You're playing through the deaths of everybody else in this family. Right. So it only makes sense that the whole arc of the game is you yes. playing through her death. But and because it's the end, I want it to, to shirk that. I get it. And it, it doubly yeah. does that so because in her little, like, uh, like afterwards to her child, she's like, I thought about not even telling you this so you wouldn't even have to have the concept that there's yeah. a family curse. But I decided you should know. <laughs> yeah. Let me like, saddle you with this. Yeah. So because to so, me, it's a yeah. self-fulfilling prophecy, yeah. right? Like. I see. I, I I get what you're saying. I don't, <laughs> don't want to sound like I'm defending this narrative because, like I said, I didn't like it. But <laughs> every, I mean, is it, everybody's family tree is an unending series of tragic yeah. deaths. Absolutely. Like nobody, yeah. nobody's like, yeah, everybody in my family checked off everything from their bucket list and lived a completely fulfilled life, hurt no one, and it was great. Like. It, 
that just doesn't yeah. exist. In yeah. fact, there's there's sort of what you usually get as as tragedy. The things in this game, for the most part, with the exception of maybe the cannery, mm-hmm. is this sort of sense of wonder of all of these things. Even yes. the deaths, walking out of the cave, right. seeing the light for the first time, yes. even the tragedy of getting hit by a train right after that, yes, is wondrous. Yes, but yes, of but. course, the death, the ending is not. The yeah. ending is the most, the most cliched, mundane ending you could come up with for something that is filled with wonder. Oh yeah, right? the miracle of life. That's all. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why do you hate babies? Life. <laughs> sure, making sure. air quotes now sure, sure. is miraculous. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> I've seen enough Robin Williams movies to know that life is miraculous. <laughs> sure. In a in and a you game, saw how that movie and is. I in a game. Oh, <laughs> oh no! Too soon. Yeah, I didn't even mean it as a joke. I um, mean it literally. That's a tragedy. The uh, in a in a game that finally got me to a place where I was like, this is what games can do mm-hmm. to be surprising and joyful and and make me feel something even though I didn't expect to. Mm-hmm. To give me that at the end just felt really disappointing. I was like, I've seen hundred and fifty thousand films. That end with this. Oh, okay. The mother died, and the, but the child has a chance at new life. That's that's what I felt, and I was like, and okay, so so that maybe that's that's sort of the difference here is that the mother died, but the child has a chance at new life, and nah, that, that new kid's life, gonna be cursed, and that new life being uncertain, and and it can be anything. That part is sort of that's the joyous and wondrous part to me that I liked, and I would like a game whose narrative was that positive happy message and not what it I mean I understand that they're they're one of their points is that you know life is worth living in the moment not about how it ends um, but there's ways to make that point without having to make it just a series of tragedies that you see coming or or, or even not when it when it's when it's not tragic even when it's just like the moment between the father yeah. and her daughter yeah. it's always somehow Kind of sad, like, oh yeah, this dad clearly loves his daughter, but the daughter's not into anything that he's sure, into, sure. and they're not getting along. Like, okay. you can make these points and be happy, yeah. but that ending, kind of happy. Like, there's a new kid I in the you. world. It's no, that's happy. Total, I, I get, yeah. I could get completely what you're saying. Yeah. I guess for me, yeah, again, it was just the opposite. Like, yeah. I, I, yeah, yeah. life is cruel and random, <laughs> and there's no meaning in it at all. But human beings m- manufacture joy and wonder out of it. And so the moments that this thing did that for me were the best parts. And huh. so when it took that and con- and made it into something that again was not surprising, nor was it, you know, a level of of imagination that I thought the other parts of the game achieved. I just thought what I felt let down. It, it I can't I can't I, say more to it than that. I see what you're saying that it does lack the magical realism that so many of the other things have. Yeah. Um. I and you know not having seen that final scene, but I get the idea that nobody turned into an owl, or or anything. <laughs> right. Yeah. right. Maybe they should have done a little yeah. more of that. I well, and, and partly too, and I not to dominate this bit, but partly too, it's that magical realism is is tragic, right? You're talking about people who are living in terrible situations, but they create beauty in them but they none of the magical realism um, or the kind of satire of things like again brazil none of that ends well but but for the minds of the people involved especially the main character there's this this incredible space 
I don't again. I'm, I'm gonna get a little weepy now, but <laughs> yeah. I just for me that's that's one of the having having lived a you know a life that has had some of that in it. I I just right. feel like that. I really gravitate toward that that experience, and so that's anyway. Well, so well, let why. me ask you this, and then we can kind of get to our, our wrap up. <laughs> but do you think do you feel like overall that the rest of the story and the interaction and the narrative carried you well enough that you can forgive that ending. I can. Yeah, no question. Good, I'm No glad. question. And yeah. that's my happy Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, so no, totally. And I feel the same way about Firewatch. I loved the experience of Firewatch. And even though the last two or three minutes of it were depressingly, un, you know, unwell made, I, you know, I, I, I still would recommend Firewatch in a heartbeat to anybody right. who I saw, yep. and I feel that I feel that way about this. I would, rec- yeah, I would also recommend this game in a heartbeat to literally anyone, even though, like, I, like I said, like I hate the story, and like, <laughs> like if, I mean, it's it's like in the same way that if I were learning to be a writer, I'm sure I would read lots of stories that I. I don't like the story, but I appreciate how they constructed the story, and I appreciate yeah. that it's yeah. well crafted. This is probably the best crafted narrative game that exists right now that I've played anyway, yeah, or at least it's gotten so. attention. Yeah. There might be some really obscure thing, <laughs> who knows? But um, yeah, this is, it's the best that I've experienced for sure. Um, I just the the only comment would be that I wish it was a different experience, yeah. but, but it's the best experience. Can, but yeah, yeah that's exactly. The, that's the sort of joy of experiencing right. it, right? Is that you go, I want to make that, but I have a different story that yes. I want to tell. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I love that so much, and here's the thing that I didn't love about it, and I want to make it different and better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, final thoughts? I feel like I, I, I've heard mine. I just gave mine. So, other final thoughts? You go, you haven't talked about Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Me neither, but... Yeah, so I mean, there's there's a lot I enjoyed about the game. I, uh, I, I think I disagree slightly about it being the best narrative game. I don't have, like, an immediate champion to throw into the ring or anything, uh, but it could just be personal taste. I think it was very good, but there are quite a few levels in which I didn't connect with it, mm. so that could just be my personal bias showing. Uh, but especially from a mechanic standpoint, um, the the level design, how they reinforce the narrative with the, the mechanics they choose, and how quickly they introduce those to you, and none of them are sort of ancillary to the overall experience. I think it all comes together into a very well polished, complete experience. I agree. I I think that had I seen this, uh, speaking of it as narrative. Had I just watched this as a movie, um, and there are several movies like this out right now, I think was Tree of Life one that came out mm. not long ago that had a lot of this sort of feel, I think, and, and some several others like that. Um, if I had seen this movie, I would have left the theater going, wow, that was really good, and then kind of forgotten about it, really, um, or, or not never put it on a list of my top anything films, even though I could have left the theater thinking that was a really good story. Um, and I feel like the story itself about a young girl who comes back home and uncovers her her family is is interesting, but not super compelling, mm-hmm. uh, just to me personally. Having said that, I totally agree with you with all of the other points that it's the mechanics and it's the tying these things together and building that, taking you through that narrative in the way that it did was utterly brilliant to me. And that's why I go back 
to thinking that Robbie, I'm more on Robbie's side that this is one of the best narratives in games, the best way of doing a narrative in game that I've ever, ever seen. Over to you. Great stuff. Um, so <laughs> I agree. <laughs> Great stuff. Well, I'm with you fellas. Um, in this essay, I. Uh, uh, <laughs> Webster's Dictionary <laughs> defines brilliance as. <laughs> um, so, I mean, we spent a whole lot of time harping on the minutia of the narrative in this game because that's really. It's hard not to come away from it just thinking about that. Mm -hmm. um, and it's won a ton of awards for it, too. Like, it's not just us that has recognized how awesome this is. So clearly there's some merit there even beyond us. Um, but, yeah, from a mechanic standpoint and from a game developer's standpoint, I felt like this was a really, really polished game. There's lots of little things that I was just like, wow. Like, just that tiny little moment was just so great. And yeah. just having all kinds of these little moments come together in this giant puzzle piece thing so that you learn this part of the history and this part of the history and you pick up on this little atmospheric piece and and I don't know it's because this is a short game too yeah. I mean, we talked about how the vignettes are really short but the whole game is like three hours it's like a film but it does a lot more than a film could do that same amount of time so I feel like it's a really good thing to look at for why games are a great medium in terms of just mm -hmm. storytelling and so many other things all right. So next time we will have Pyre mm -hmm. to play and discuss. Yeah, so I guess that's about it for this episode. We probably talked enough <laughs> about what remains of Edith Finch. Um, next month is, what's the next month? Is it? Uh, I believe it's September. September. September, we are going to be playing Pyre, which is a game by Supergiant Games. Who you may be familiar with, they've made Bastion, Transistor, yeah. um, really great stuff. Um, I'm really looking forward to playing it, and hopefully all of you listening will play along with us. Leave your comments on our website, or listen in and leave comments on whatever your favorite podcasting platform is, and hopefully you'll join us. You can also email us at playlittlerockgames at gmail.com. Yes, and we are on Facebook as Little Rock Games. Uh, come and leave comments there, too. We post this kind of stuff on the Facebook page as well. And until next time, we will uh, see ya. See ya. At the movies. At the movies. <laughs> <laughs>